0: Now it's recording. Awesome. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's good. Dan, you are very welcome to Spill the Beans podcast. Uh, Today we're going to talk a little bit about the coffee and you've been in the industry for... I've actually been in the
1: coffee industry for about four years now. Four Um, years. But I feel like it's been a decade just based on how in depth I've kind of gone into the industry and and how much fun it's been and just a lot of the industry leaders that I work with that have taught me a lot over the last few years. Nice. Um. You know, I like to consider myself an industry leader here, especially in you know in Alberta, Calgary, uh, especially for our small market. Yeah. But nonetheless, you know, there's definitely a lot of people out
0: there who probably know a little bit more than I do. That's awesome. <laughs> and who's like, if if you want to go back to, like the four years when you start the, um, in the coffee industry, who was your mentor uh, that give you this push to work in coffee industry?
1: so no one actually pushed me into coffee.
0: Um, yeah, so I
1: actually hated coffee. (laughs) You did. (laughs) So coffee was my, the one drink that I couldn't actually enjoy on a regular basis. And so, um, I was in an industry, uh, that was specifically sports nutrition, health food products, natural products, et cetera. So I worked in that industry for about a decade and there was a point in my life where I said I needed to make a switch. And okay. so at that time I was in school, I was just going back to university again. Um, and I really wanted to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. It was here in Canada, the university or back yeah, in the yeah, United yeah. States. So here, here. Okay. Um, and so I was going back to school, um, you know, trying to just better myself at the time to figure out which direction I wanted to go career wise. And I love business. I love business development. I love being able to help brands grow. A lot of the brands that I worked with in my previous industry were small businesses and new ones that were trying to break into that market. Now the biggest challenge uh, for me was, you know, I didn't want to do anything I wasn't passionate about. And one of my friends was managing the Inglewood Rosso cafe. Yeah. And he calls me one day and he says, Dan, I want you to come check out the coffee. We're looking for somebody to manage our wholesale business. I know you have a lot of experience in that. Um, and, Experience in, in the wholesale That's correct, yeah, so okay. account management wholesale. Yeah, yeah. So my previous role was the Western Canada uh, um, director, essentially for nice. Nutrition Club Canada. And so I managed all of Western Canada, and so I would travel pretty much from province to province, working with a bunch of different um, markets, natural health food places, mm-hmm. uh, supplement stores, etc., and educating people on the use of supplementation, yeah. and how to incorporate that into their everyday life. When my friend Jesse had called me, he said, hey, I know you're not a coffee drinker, but you just have to try what we what we do. And before this time, I mean, all I really knew was, you know, the Starbucks, the second cups the Tim Hortons and those guys, unfortunately, just didn't meet my needs in terms of how I could appreciate coffee for what it is. So Jesse pours me a drink. He makes me an espresso, makes me a cappuccino and then does a drip coffee for me. Yeah and at that time, um, one of the coffees that was on the menu was Tiitaamong from a farm in Myanmar, formerly Burma. Nice. This coffee literally tasted like strawberry black force cake. Oh, wow it was yeah. unreal. Just one of my favorite coffees um, still to this day, and that was in 2018. And so I actually had reached out to the team at Rosso and said, "Hey, let's have a conversation." And um, during that whole process, it was really funny because I remember going in for my first meeting. And I had met with uh, uh, Jesse, who is one of the managing directors and a partner in Rosso. And we got we we chatted. We had a really good conversation. And at that time, Cole, who's our coffee buyer, and um, he was actually getting ready for the world competition in Boston in 2019. Yeah. And the World Competition of of uh, Baristas. Baristas, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So the barista competition that the SCA does every single year. Um, And it's just a showcase of quality from, you know, not only just the barista themselves, but the coffee that they're they're bringing in, so the farms and everything. Yeah. So during this time, um, I think I was on my second interview with the team, and uh, Cole was prepping in the loft that they had at their head office, so our original head office, uh, just in... um, the area of Manchester, uh, just here in Calgary. And this little loft had this big red espresso machine and Cole was prepping, he had these chairs with photos of different characters on the seats so that he could talk to them. And he looks at me and he's like, Dan, how's it going? Here's a shot of espresso, I want you to try it, give me some feedback, et cetera, et cetera. I looked at him and I denied the shot and it was just because I didn't know what to expect. Okay. And he looked at me and, uh, both Dave, so our founder of Rosso, uh, and then Jesse, uh, they looked at me with like, why, why are you saying no? Like just accept the shot, drink it and appreciate it. Yeah. Um, not that they said those words, <laughs> but they looked at me like I yeah. was crazy. And so I had, we went to go sit down I took the shot and I said, thank you. I appreciate it. I smelt it. And I said, this doesn't smell like a typical espresso shot. Yeah. So I sit down and I take my first sip. And at that moment, you know, everything that I thought of what coffee was, was completely changed. It was an epiphany moment. The clouds opened up. God was looking <laughs> through the, the, the clouds. Sun was shining on me. Nice. And I had this epiphany of what am I tasting? This is absolutely unreal. I'm in love with coffee now. And yeah. this coffee literally tasted like Five Alive. That's the wow. best way to explain it. It was tropical juices. It was pineapple. It was mango. It was everything fruity that you could think of nice. with like hints of, of nice,
0: you know, just milk chocolate or dark chocolate. And um, it was an experience. And so that's what it sold these coffee like that they compete in the World Barista or Championship, probably they are very expensive. And very, like they are like handpicked from the best farms or... Is it the same farm or like it best when they go travel to each farm and taste the coffee and say like, okay, this is what I'm going to choose for the world champion. This is how it works. Right. Or no.
1: No. So, well, to some degree, yes, it's it's, it's to that's pretty much what they do is, is, you know, typically every barista will have an opportunity to kind of like pick and choose what bean they want to want to have at their at their table. And they go from farm to farm. They yeah. try to find, you know, the best notes that you can possibly perceive and the cost of them varies. And we're talking anything, you know, five to six hundred dollars per kilo is essentially like oh, wow. what we're talking about here. So some of these coffees, you know, can be in the range of five to six hundred dollars. You know, I know that there was a Korean that competed I want to say it was in 2021 and their coffee was like $800 per kilo. Mm-hmm. So, we're we're talking big money here and these coffees though, they're not what you'd think that they would taste like. These coffees taste like candies. They will taste like wow. blueberries. They will have hints of kiwi, strawberry, you know, mangoes, passion fruit. They can be anything you want it to be because the type of coffee that they're using is grown in a manner that just showcases it all. It's, it's, you know, the different processes that will bring out, you know, different notes, the fermentation of it all. Yeah. And that's really what sold me on coffee. And yeah. watching the competitions is one thing. You, ha- you kind of have to nerd out on it. Yeah, It's not like watching a sports, you know, spectacle or a sports game. And it's so exciting. It's amazing. No, these guys are going up there. They're talking about coffee. And they have 15 minutes to present this. Yeah. And three different drinks.
0: <clears throat> including, including brewing the coffee. Brewing and everything. And everything. So yeah. they have like 15 minutes on stage just to demonstrate everything they have. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. For four judges too. <laughs> oh, okay. And those judges, like, um, they they have they have like very long experience in, in in the industry, or just how how they pick the judge, like this. Yeah,
1: typically they go through uh, a process of judging, going through the paneling through their local country, oh, okay. and then they'll pick the best from. Each country essentially to say okay great you know you've qualified to say that you can go and judge at the world level um but a lot of them are industry leaders so they've been doing this for years most of them probably about a decade if anything um at least and but our industry is very new it's very fresh it's still evolving every single day and you know for the most part it stays pretty consistent you know in terms of the type of uh, rules, the, the, the processes and the equipment that's being used. So, um, everyone tries to do things, you know, there's certain things that they kind of have to keep, you know, the same for the most part. Yeah. But that being said, it's, it's, uh, it's always evolving in terms of what coffees are being brought out. I know Cole in, um, uh, 2021, uh, he had competed and the biggest challenge was that he was using a decaf coffee. No oh. and no one uses decafs in competition because you know who's going to use a decaf right you're but not
0: why, why why you choose decaf
1: so if I ask you why do you think decaf drinkers drink decaf coffee,
0: what would be your answer? Probably just because like they want to taste the coffee, but they don't want to stay up,
1: sure, yeah, 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 but why do they drink the coffee though right it's it's more of the flavor that they enjoy. Oh,
0: OK. Yeah. Th- yeah. Yeah. Probably. So yeah.
1: if they don't want the kick, they can still enjoy the coffee for what it is. The flavor. the strength. Right. And so that's Cole's kind of um, his goal is to really showcase coffees that yeah. are that are more for the sipping. Um, and you can drink it 24 hours a day. Nice. And <laughs> it's an experience as opposed to, you know, I'm waking up at six in the morning. I need to get my espresso shot in, I need my kick to start the day. Yeah. It's I'm enjoying this without having a heart attack. (laughs) Nice.
0: And what happened when he competed with uh, Decaf?
1: So I think the biggest challenge was the judges uh, for the Canadian uh, event uh, locally here um, at the Nationals for Canada. That year it it wasn't received well because when you put one coffee that is so different from what everyone else is tasting and what you've been trained to taste, Yeah, it's not going to hit a lot of the parameters that you want to achieve or at least see in the coffee And so there's certain notes like bitterness that you can get certain nuances of the coffee that you won't taste in decaf that you'll taste in a caffeinated type of coffee so I think that was the biggest challenge and you know, the reason why he chose it was because The future of coffee can be whatever we want it to be But coffee can be, you know drink at any hour of the day
0: regardless of, yeah. of what you're doing. Yeah, the coffee doesn't, doesn't leave my hand whatsoever. <laughs> just when I sleep, there's no coffee. But other than that, I'm always drinking coffee. Exactly,
1: right? And, yeah. you know, for some people, they just don't want the caffeine. And I think as we age, you know, it's actually really interesting. I was looking at a stat just the other day, and... Um, you're starting to see more of the older generation leaving coffee and the tea consumption in their age group is starting to actually grow. So between the ages of 45 and 65, their mm-hmm. tea consumption has actually gone up almost 60% within the last couple of years over the pandemic. Um, versus, oh, wow. you know, now we're starting to see an influx of the youth drinking more coffee because coffee is more enjoyable than what it used to be. You know, and if we...
0: But, like, I heard a doctor on on the social media, he was talking about... Uh, the important like the importance of the coffee uh, and he was talking about how the political propaganda works and the media that like oh don't drink too much coffee it's scary it's not healthy but he said like no drink coffee because like it will help you to prevent you from heart attack from strokes and it will clean this junk in in your system Um, I don't know if you have any information about it but this is what I heard I don't know who is the doctor yeah I didn't do any research but it's interesting because um,
1: I think media just tries to play off of what's hot right now yeah you know, I, I came from an industry that was very much focused on health and wellness. And so I know a lot of these researchers yeah. that have come out and said, you know, taking pre-workouts are bad for you because of high caffeine concentration. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Totally. 100 percent, you know, respect that that statement. Um, whether or not they're validated in studies yet, I've still yet to see an actual validated study that proves that taking, you know, one you know, scoop of pre-workout will be detrimental to your health. It's more of the longevity and the excessive amounts of caffeine that will really take its effect on you. In coffee, there's a lot of benefits because there's a lot of antioxidants. Yeah. Right. Versus taking a monster energy drink or, you know, those five hour energy shots. Those are just a high concentration of caffeine with sugar in them. Yeah. So stacking those two together aren't necessarily gonna be positive, especially if you're drinking, you know, six or seven or eight of those. Yeah. Right. Because if we look at a cup of coffee it really varies in terms of concentration of caffeine. Um, there's conversations of, you know, the darker the roast, the less caffeine, but it really just yeah. depends on, you know, the the type of coffee versus, you know, like if you're looking at an Arabica versus a Robusta, yeah. because Robusta will inherently have more caffeine than an Arabica bean. Yeah. But roasting a Ra- uh, Robusta darker won't necessarily eliminate the caffeine. The caffeine. Completely. Okay. We're talking you have to brish, basically bring it to dust. But that being said, yeah. um, I think, you know, there's just, it's all about moderation at the end of the day Yeah. and understanding your body. Um, having good heart health and heart function is important. Yeah. And the benefits of caffeine is you're going to get an increased heart rate. Yeah. Right. It might break down plaque within the arteries. It might not. You yeah. know, it's, it's, there's a lot of factors to it. and. Yeah caffeine can be good and caffeine can be bad there're studies that showed that two cups a day is good for you and will help you live an extra 20% to your life and then there's studies that say you know one drink a day will you know take a a day off of your life you know and it's just it's the same conversation of eggs yeah. are bad for you yeah, right yeah, 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 yeah. i remember
0: for the longest time
1: eggs were horrible because of cholesterol
0: Right. yeah well well uh, this is the same the same doctor he said like I will push people to to cook with with fat instead of butter and oil because fat is healthier sure and it doesn't cause the cholesterol that you the cholesterol that cause the all these the, sorry the, the products that cause the cholesterol in, in a human body are the butter the manufactured butter sure. and a manufactured oil but like if you use like the natural fat it's way healthier than you and people yeah, like stay absolutely. away from the fat yeah and and <laughs> I, it, it's
1: it, you know when it comes to nutrition it's it's a, a definitely a tangent and you can really you know go down the rabbit hole with it yeah, all and, no, that's and true. there's no one right way when it yeah. comes to it and with coffee there's no one right coffee yeah. um you know caffeine i think at the end of the day is probably a good thing for everybody because you know yeah. a it's it it brings people together Yes, it's a conversation piece. Yes, but at the same time, you get to enjoy it with food. Yeah, right. Um, maybe you want to take it as a pre-workout instead. Nice. Maybe you want to have it with your pastry. Maybe yeah. you want to have it post-dinner, right? A nice shot of espresso. Um, <clears throat> but there's multiple different ways that you can appreciate coffee, which is why coffee is such a um, such a diverse, you know, uh, industry and, and food product.
0: Yeah. So going back to, you were saying, like, when you taste the coffee and there's a lot of flavor, like sp- the tropical flavors and all this stuff, Um those flavors comes from roasting or like drying the coffee or it comes from the plant itself it depends on the earth that has been planted on the dirt or like whatever the the spot it's been planted and grow uh what's the factor that give you those flavor in the coffee and how you and identify these these flavors in the coffee
1: yeah so Coffee itself is probably the most complex food item in the world. If I were to ask you yeah. how many tasting notes there are in wine, how many would
0: you guess? For me, I, I don't know, but probably like two or three.
1: There's probably about two or three hundred. Uh, maybe oh, wow. even 400 <laughs> tasting
0: notes of wine.
1: Yeah. Um, in coffee, there's thousands. Oh, uh, wow. It's really the full spectrum of, of, of you know, tasting notes. Yeah. Um, you can taste everything from like onions, moss, dirt, soil, Uh, mushrooms, you can taste pickles, you can get tomatoes in the coffee, in the coffee naturally, but it's, it really comes down to, um, the terroir, the soil. So the fermentation process, how it's grown, the elevation, um, you know, how much humidity, rainfall, et cetera. There's so many factors. It's it's the same thing with growing, you know, any type of food item here. Like if we're growing cucumbers yeah. or canola or or lettuce, you know, depending on the environment that it's in, it's gonna grow differently. Yeah. Uh, with coffee, different countries have inherently different tasting notes as well, which is also really, really cool. Nice. Um, you know, so everyone knows Brazil. Yeah. Brazil is, you know, one of the, the, I believe it's the percentage now they provide about 60% of the world's coffee, um, from Brazil, 60%. Yeah. And it's because they have these massive fields at high elevation and they're able to process coffee quick or at least grow it quick. And, you know, um, they have are in, in mass, I should say. Um, and they have really cool harvesting that happens where they're one of the only countries in the world that does mechanical harvesting. So they have machines that go and shake the trees and get all the beans out. Yeah. And all like, that like stuff. all the like
0: olive trees.
1: Yeah, precisely. Yeah yeah. 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 So it's really cool that they can do that, but they inherently will have more chocolate nutty notes as opposed to, you know, vibrant, sweet and, um, yeah. uh, acidic notes and not that they can't achieve those notes. That just comes down to the processing of it all afterwards, so yeah. um, you know there's multiple different pr- uh, fermentation processes that are out there, and you know there's the natural process where they allow for the coffee cherry to just dry out naturally there's a wash process where they you know wash off the cherry from the bean and then you know let it dry then there's a honey process where they take all, uh, out the bean uh, from yeah. the cherry, keep the mucilage around it, and then just let it dry out so it 's really sticky okay. um, and then the newer way of, I guess, processing or fermenting coffee beans is anaerobic, which is really, really cool because anaerobic is essentially how you do it with winemaking. So you put all these cherries in a drum, take out all the oxygen, um, and some people will add yeast extracts in order to create a really funky kind of fermentation process. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can get different notes from it. So where anaerobic will have more inherently, you can take it to a point where you almost get pickle juice. Oh, wow. But if you do it right, you can also get, you know, tasting notes of, like, bourbon or brandy um, nice. or, like, an amaretto. And that's what's really cool with the anaerobic process is that it allows for something very unique from a coffee that, you know, if you did it naturally, you might get some really good, you know, maybe black cherries or blackberries or something along those lines. Yeah. Put it in an anaerobic process, and you're going to end up getting red wine. Yeah. Right? And and that's what's really cool about it. So. Yeah. They're getting experimental with coffee now, which is really awesome. So those are some of the factors. Um, but elevation is is definitely going to play a big role. And that's why, you know, if you look at the coffee belt, it's all around the equator. And yeah. um, everything's at high elevation. And and it's just really cool to see how diverse and dynamic it is when it comes to the growing. Because, you know, now everyone's talking about geishas. yeah, And geishas are really cool because geishas will have inherently more tea-like tasting notes and so with that depending on where it's grown we will bring out different flavors as well and then depending on how it's processed we will either elevate uh, those flavor notes or kind of flatten some of them out at the same time yeah but you know geishas you know originally from um ethiopia but now they've taken it to panama and everyone knows Panama geishas now because they're some of the most sought-after coffees in the world. Oh wow! Um, I believe a few years ago, um, one of the most expensive geishas went on the market, and it was just around eighteen hundred uh, dollars per kilo U.S. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So we're not talking like pennies here. No, no. Like it's expensive. <laughs> nice. So it's really cool. But that's what people are kind of, are are wanting now. Is they want to experiment. And it's no different than, you know, buying a $10,000 bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Or, you know, a $20,000 bottle of champagne. It's, it's no different. There's a reason. It's not just the brand itself, but it's the flavor, the quality, yeah. the 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 workmanship that goes into making those those uh yeah. you know,
0: drinks. So, when the beans comes to the roaster and a roast like do that roasting and everything and then after that they will do the cupping or they do a cupping in the, on green and on on after the roasting so this this cupping who the person who's doing the cupping it will tell he will tell you or she will tell you like oh this coffee has this flavor and this flavor and this flavor and this is how it goes right kind of so
1: what we'll normally do is you know with direct trade now which makes it very easy for us to go down to origin and try the coffees that are there at the farm level um it's very important for us to do that because it's going to help us figure out what kind of pl- uh, flavor profiles they want to achieve yeah. so that we can replicate them and showcase their product that much better. Okay. So what we'll normally do is they will, you know, go through the process of getting the green beans. Um, you won't necessarily cup the green bean because it'll taste like green. It'll taste like yeah. vegetation. It'll yeah. taste like, you know, maybe cut grass. Um but that being said, now there's there's a certification that uh, that's in coffee. It's called a Q grader, and essentially it's for coffee roasters to go out and taste and be certified to say yes, I taste these notes, but also understanding how to pick coffees, how to look at them a certain way, how to like you know identify certain traits, etc. Um, so that's one of the cool certifications that most roasters should have if they don't yeah. have it. Um, but once we get those figured out as to what lot or or what um what specific crop we want to purchase from that farm that year. We'll purchase it based on the tasting notes that uh, that um that we s- we've tasted at the farm level. Yeah. And we'll bring it back here to Canada or wherever it might be and then we'll roast it to a certain profile. We'll do a couple test batches and then we'll cup it from there. And okay. that way we can say okay, yes, this hits the parameters of what we're looking for in terms of tasting notes. And Typically, you know, the lighter you go, the more acidic it can be. Yeah. The darker you go, the more bitter it'll be. Yeah. And so with that, we keep those in mind. And so a lot of the times I know for Rosso in particular, you know, I know for Paul, his process, he already knows kind of which area he wants to be in, in terms of the, 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 the graph, if you will. Yeah. To to say, okay, great, we've hit that turning point. We can bring down the heat or bring down the air, et cetera. Um, so that it's within that uh that, you know, first crack range essentially. Yeah. Um uh, it's a whole nother conversation in terms of roasting. It's yeah. not <laughs> my forte just yeah. yet, but it's <laughs> something I'm really eager to learn this nice. year. Um but that being said, I know Paul will sometimes over roast sometimes he'll under roast and just to give us a good idea of where we want to be
0: okay yeah so going back to your answer you said like you do like a direct trade and i heard like there's there's probably more than two types of the trades of the coffee but what i know is the fair trade and the direct trade yeah so what's the difference between both of them and why rosso chose to go like the direct trade instead of the fair trade and Is there any effect on economy or like um, ethically, I want to say? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: I think with, with those certifications, there's a lot of wish wash that kind of happens, you know, through, through, you know, the internet and social media. And, you know, when it comes to consumer buyers uh, buying, Um, the big challenge with doing anything that's certified is typically what happens is that farm needs to get certified. Right. So that's a cost. It's a rigorous process, it's a cost on them. Um, On top of that, they have a third party intermediary, whether it be fair trade, organic, or so on. They will dictate the price for that farm. So this, you're talking about the fair trade right now? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So with fair trade, the unfortunate reality with them is we've actually worked with a lot of farms that have decertified from multiple different certifications, not only organic, but fair trade as well. Okay. The reason being is that when it comes to, you know, our, our cost of goods, there's a certain point where you break even. Okay. So the challenge with getting any certification uh, or getting that certification from Fair Trade is that they may or may not go down to the farm to check in on you. Okay. And because of that, what am I paying you for, right? The other challenge is is that they'll dictate the price for you. So right now, the Fair Trade price, and I don't know if it's been updated, but based on their website, um, which has been checked within the last few weeks here, yeah, the minimum price per per pound is a dollar thirty five U.S. Whatever coffee it is, whatever coffee it is, you know, as long as if your farm is certified fair trade, that's the lowest price that you can get for a coffee. Now, if the current commodity price, you right, mean the highest price that you can get, that's the lowest price. That's the that's the lowest minimum that you can get with fair trade. Oh, OK. okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the 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 cost of the coffee itself and what commodity is going for. So what will end up happening is on the global market, coffee is traded by traders and buyers and so on and so forth. Uh, No different than currencies. Yeah. Uh um, Or commodities in general. And so right now, or at least as of January 3rd, the coffee price was $1.66 US per pound. Now, the challenge with that is $1.66 might not help that farm break even. Fair trade only says... That you have to charge $0.22 cents above the commodity price of coffee. So you're making $1.88 per pound. But for me to break even, and this is from a study back in 2014 that was done. Yeah. Um, the average cost to break even per pound for coffee or per kilo was around $6 US. Oh, wow. So for that farm to break even, and this is a cooperative, Okay. So this isn't just a single farm. This is multiple farms. Yeah. They need to be making around $3 per pound U.S. to break even. So even with fair trade pricing, they're making half of what they need to break even.
0: And, and how they are surviving, though, Well, is,
1: is the mass production,
0: I think. Uh,
1: not necessarily, no, because it, the mass won't bring in extra volume for you. You're yeah. still getting less than what your, your cost of goods are. Yeah. Right. The the only reason why they are sustainable for themselves, or at least able to kind of keep going year after year, is because. What do they have to pay for in overhead? Yeah. Right. They don't. They're not plugged into a grid. Most of them are up on these huge hills that are so hard to to kind of, you know, to get to logistically, it's a nightmare, but that being said, you know, they farm already. So most of them can, you know, get most of their food and and all that good stuff from the land that they work on already. Um, but most of us, you know, are in North America as, as, um, you know, as consumers, just because it has a certification, we think we're doing the right thing. Yeah. But in reality, a lot of these farms don't get what they need in order to actually be profitable okay so that's the challenge so it's there's nothing really that we can do outside of going direct trade which is one of the main reasons why roso decided to do that is because we said you know what we've gone down to the farms we've had conversations with all the farmers and you know to kind of give you reference one of the farms that we work with in costa rica which is a nonos so in that farm in particular the owner of the farm he decided that he was going to decertify from organic And the reason being is that he already follows all the organic practices. Most of the farms that we work with follow organic practices. Okay. It's just for them to have to pay for a certification year after year. It's not just a one-time payment. It's a yearly payment that they have to make. Oh, wow. On top of that, they have to buy X amount of things, you know, in order to ensure that they're following organic practices. But organic certifications are dictated by a price as well, similar to fair trade. Now, unfortunately, they haven't updated their price in quite some time, so I don't know the exact number for what the organic price point is. Yeah. But we're talking to, to them at the farm there. They're still making less on an organic certification, and no one ever came down to the farm. In the years that they were certified organic, so I wow. think it was about six years, no one showed up to the farm.
0: So it's, it's more political and making money. Precisely. It's just, a, it's just a sticker. Oh, wow. Yeah, for a lot of these farms, it's just a sticker. And the direct trade is straight to the farmer by
1: whatever his product. Precisely, yeah. And direct trade. So there's also a lot of challenges with direct trade because there's a lot of roasters that are out there, and you know they they are posting direct trade on their product. Which don't get me wrong, great, love the fact that they're doing that. And chances are, a lot of the owners of those roasteries have gone down to the farm and chatted with the owner um, yeah. and done so. However, a lot of these roasters. They don't have the means in order to actually purchase direct. So they still have to go through a third party. And because of that, they have to pay a third party company. That third party company pays the farm. What Rosso does is we pay the farm first cash in hand, and then we get a logistics company to manage the shipment to us. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we negotiate with the farm owner and then they ship it up from there
0: and you are you get like you negotiating like you give him like the price that he's asking approximately precisely yeah. if you want to save yeah. like 5 cents yeah. here and there yeah on average yeah. right now our cost per pound
1: give or take is anywhere from $3.50 to $4 per pound US is what we pay on all of our coffee that is the minimum that we will pay but yeah. we have coffees that we're purchasing for, you know, $9 per pound, $15 per pound. And then, you know, for some of our gold series coffees, you know, in excess of $100 per pound. Yeah. Um, and it's just because we want to be able to showcase, you know, all these coffees, but what these farms can actually do. Yeah. right? There's been so much emphasis on the roaster. You know, Starbucks is a prime example. You know, you, you, you look at the what they have on their packaging and it's based on the origin. So here's my Starbucks, you know, blonde roast, it's from Brazil and and that's it. So there's no real transparency of where that farm is or where that coffee comes from, right? Yeah. And so because of that, for direct trade, or at least in the third wave uh, methodology of, of it all, yeah. our goal is to showcase more of what these farms are doing and talking about their stories. It's nice. no different than when we go to a fancy restaurant and... You know, we order a filet mignon or or a triple A prime steak and we're getting it from this farmer, you know, this cattle rancher out in, you know, Atchison, Alberta or Red Deer, Alberta, Alberta or, you know, somewhere in Saskatchewan. And we showcase that it's coming from this farm because this farm is nationally recognized. Nice. It's the same thing that we're doing with coffee now. Yeah. Because there's so many coffee farmers out there in the world that just need a little bit of recognition and they'll go a long way. And it's going to help them promote more sustainability because we pay double of what the commodity price is, you know, in order to ensure that they're sustainable. And then we buy from them year after year after year. So we don't pick and choose, you know, who the best crop is. No, no, no. Our goal is to say, hey, we're here to support you and we want to do it for multiple years, not just one year and we focus on what we do. There's the three waves of the coffee industry. The sure. coffee shops, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. Which First, wave? Second and third wave, yeah.
0: Yeah. So which wave do you think like it's using fair trade and which wave are you using the direct trade or it doesn't matter? Well, I think the the there's a challenge with it.
1: And yeah. the reason being is that you know, there are some direct trade, you know, uh, roasters that are out there that still post fair trade on it, but they're posting the name of the farm. They're posting the farmer, they're telling the story, you know, they're giving all the information and the transparency of the price point. Right. And which is great. And, you know, that farm probably wants it because he wants that certification so he can get more buyers from all over the world as opposed to, you know, having one or two buyers from each country. Yeah. So it just, it really depends on on what the end goal is. And, you know, I know for us, you know, in the early years of roasting, we'd had to purchase X amount of coffee, you know, from a third party importer in order to bring coffee in because we didn't have the financial means or the capital in order yeah. to bring in, you know, massive sea cans of coffee on a regular basis. And so because of that, you know, we know some of those farms definitely were certified fair trade or they were certified organic. Yeah. But once again, a lot of them have decertified over the years because the cost of, of farming has gone up substantially, yeah. right? And so for us to promote more sustainability, we had to really take over a lot of our import business in order to manage that yeah. and, and to help them. Because the second that we eliminate, you know, a third-party intermediary and we go direct, that means more money for them,
0: right? And that's yeah.
1: really the biggest thing.
0: But, so, like, coffee shop owners, they, they want to make money. Yeah, absolutely. When when you come and you sell, like, them, like, this high, um, sell them the coffee with a high price, they are still making money, but probably they are making, like, probably 40% less or, like, 30% less when they you, you should make with a fair trade. Yeah, true. Right. Um, because, like, a lot of people, they don't care about what the coffee come from and the story behind it all they care about like selling volumes of coffee Mm -hmm. Um, and the end of the day like the third wave coffees coffee shops they are willing to pay like a little bit extra yeah they put like the prices a little bit higher but do you think like in the near future especially with the inflation that price pricing is gonna go higher or do you have like any forecast like in for the future like you might drop down just because rain now, the word is just a mess. Yeah. Well, the founder of
1: Starbucks, he said that he's waiting for the day for a latte to cost $20. Oh, wow. He's expecting it. And the reason being is because the cost of production for coffee is, is going to go up every single year, especially with climate change coming in. Yeah. Um, but that being said, regardless of the type of coffee that you use, I think now as we look at the consumers that are out there, um, the pandemic was really a blessing in disguise for a lot of, of cafes here. Because what ended up happening during that time was, yes, a lot of businesses closed and yes, a lot of cafes struggled. However, while people were at home, they were buying coffees from their local roasters. They were getting firsthand knowledge and taste of what their local community was producing, as opposed nice. to buying, you know, these mass market brands. And we're seeing a shift, not only just what's happening in, you know, a, a, with third wave coffee roasters, but also what's happening in grocery stores. More yeah. grocery stores now are listing more third wave coffee roasters because consumers are willing to pay more. For better value and value what it once meant you know in the early 2000s and the 90s value was based on quantity now value is based on quality which is essentially what we've been trying to achieve for so many years not just in our industry of coffee but in every industry right that's why toyota has such a good reputation in car manufacturing is because yes you pay a little bit more but you're getting something that's going to last you 20 years. Yeah, that's true. Right. And so coffee is the same way now. And people want to taste something good. Yeah, They don't want to have, you know, what they can taste at home. If I'm going to pay $5 for a latte, I yeah. want it to be a damn good latte. Period. Oh, yeah. And so I think <laughs> depending on what your vision is and what your goals are as a cafe, your consumers will know. Yeah what the experience is and what to expect based on that experience yeah. um and what you're trying to achieve and I think that's that's really what it comes down to so cost in, in hand you know it's an, it's it's nice to be able to save a little bit of money but i think yeah. at the same time you know you have to look at what your business is and what your true values are as a cafe owner and say you know what, my goal is to create a very unique experience that's elevated because I want people to come back every single day and have the exact same experience regardless of who the barista is, right? But also ensuring that I know that the coffee that I'm tasting is sustainable. We're starting to see that shift in cafes all across North America now where there's more and more local coffee shops that are opening that are doing multi-roaster formats or they're starting their own roastery or they're working with another roaster, you know, similar to Fringe. And so ultimately... You know what,
0: what consumers want is they want a good experience more than yeah. anything. Um, you you mentioned like sustainability like two or three times in the conversation. Um, mm-hmm. What do you mean, especially in the coffee industry, and the consumer has like any effect to to for on the sustainability or no
1: yeah absolutely i think okay. the more consumers promote more sustainability by yeah. just going out to their local cafe that is using a really good farm uh, or, or roaster i should say yeah. um for their coffee and so What's happening now is, you know, when you work with a roaster that promotes sustainability, so it doesn't just come down to, you know, what they're paying for the coffee, but their packaging, you know, how they're ensuring that, you know, their customers are saving money, um, but also at the same time being able to be profitable. You know, yeah. we, sustainability doesn't just mean, you know, doing the eco-friendly practices or, you know, cu- cutting corners here or there or, or trying to save a penny here or there. Okay sustainability also means you know creating value and you create value with sustainable practices and doing that through you know the type of offering that you have the type of cups that you you've you've put out there for people right compostability a lot of those things and i think sustainability you know a lot of people are throwing it out there as if it's just another tag word and which is great but the other thing is is that there's other companies out there that are now micromanaging small businesses and large corporations to do more sustainable practices. So recently, Rosso just got certified B Corp, which we haven't necessarily announced yet. And it's because it's something that we want to have a really good layout of information for people and letting them know that, hey, these are the things that we're doing. So now we're certified B Corp and B Corp essentially certifies businesses as following the most sustainable practices. So, you know, ensuring that we pay our staff a specific wage, you know, making sure that we're not doing, we don't have a lot of waste as a company. Yeah. And providing efficiencies on every l- level, not only logistically, but what we have in our warehouse, what we have with our roastery, minimizing waste, um and all those things. And so what we do, we pass along that information to a lot of our partners in yeah. order for them to be more sustainable, which is really important because yeah. without our partners,
0: you know, we're not sustainable. Yeah. Because the roaster doesn't move. Yeah. How do you think like, the coffee industry is going to be evolving? for for the near future because coffee is a lot of money and it contributes to the economy in 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 a different way yeah and it's right behind oil in terms of commodities right yeah so people like do you think like it's gonna be growing I'm not talking just canada because canada is growing still and it will be growing forever because like it's a lot of land less people right yeah do you think like let's talk about canada first do you think this industry is going to be like growing fast or slow growth in canada well
1: as of right now there was a stat that i looked at just the other day and um you know north america coffee accounts for about 51 billion um of 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 the market essentially so 51 billion dollars but by 2026 they're anticipating it that it'd be closer to about 65 billion so within a few years it's going to grow that much more Mm -hmm. um the challenge with coffee is that climate change is taking a a big toll on a lot of farms and um overall you know in these third world countries or developing nations i should say um the challenge is is that with climate change comes less production okay, and with that, it's going to affect how coffee is i guess how accessible it is, okay, so it's growing, yes, but it might not be growing as fast as it might not be growing for the positives, if you will mm. uh you'll probably find more cooperatives that will be kind of coming up um over the next few years um a lot of multinationals will end up buying a lot of these farms um and so with that, you're not going to get a lot of quality. Yeah. So it'll be good in terms of getting more coffee and saving people and making sure that they get their coffee every day, yeah. but it's not going to be the quality that they're going to be getting um, just yeah. because of that. So luckily enough, you know, with direct trade, there's a lot of small farms that are starting to see, you know, growth year after year after year. However, there's only so much land that they can work off of. Yeah. And so, um, With that, there's challenges. But I think in general, you see a lot of cafes that are popping up, you know, in every corner, uh, especially here in Calgary. And it's cool to see, but it's very saturated. And, you know, I, I could say that we're saturated. But if you go to Seattle, if you go to Portland, if you go to Vancouver, if you go to Toronto, there's cafes literally on every single block. Yeah. competing cafes and wow. you walk by them and there's a lineup of 20 people waiting for a coffee at each one of those
0: yeah but there's a lot of people living in that precisely kind of cities, right yeah calgary calgary's is, not there yet no not no. there it's growing so fast yeah like, yeah absolutely right? do you think like calgary like is reaching the limit of coffee shop by i now? think suburbia needs more coffee shops here right yeah because that's think... what i think because everybody is just looking for downtown and just like Biling coffee shop in downtown, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's interesting, yeah, because you and I have had that conversation of, you know, what areas need coffee shops. And a lot of people love coming to downtown because they have a different experience. Yeah. But there's opportunities out there to bring those experiences to suburbia. Yeah. The challenge with suburbia is is here in Canada and Alberta is we've built wide instead of built high. Yeah. and so because of that it's densely uh, it's not as densely populated and people are so accustomed to having to drive everywhere yeah and if you don't have a drive-through you may or may not be successful in those areas which yeah. is one of the reasons why you see the Starbucks the, the Tim Hortons um, and other cafe or coffee shops with those drive-throughs yeah. um, I do think that central Calgary is starting to get a little oversaturated yeah. but nonetheless if you have a really good um, uh, experience yeah. that you're trying to create there's always an opportunity and yeah. you know you see that with so many different cafes in downtown now and you know, they're all doing something a little bit different. Um, you know, even for, for Fringe out in, in Montgomery, yeah. you know, I, I remember bringing in the Kenefe and, and having, you know, a lot of really unique things, doing the Turkish coffee. I yeah. think you're one of the only cafes that does the Turkish coffee, yeah. uh, at least with the cardamom and all that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I and We do it like freshly ground. Precisely.
1: Cardamom, yeah. yeah. And so not many people are offering that, which is really cool.
0: Yeah,
1: And, you know, everyone has their own kind of uh Label that they want to have right and um, I think it just it's really comes down to What type of experience you're wanting to create for your customers? That's going to yeah. make it memorable That's going to get people coming back day after day after day.
0: Yeah when it comes to to, f- to farms and especially like when a big roasters Like Rosa it's growing. How old is, is Rosa first?
1: I uh, so we've been around since 2007 2007 yeah 2007 uh we got into roasting give or take around 2012 2014 nice yeah so
0: why like roasters they don't go like to these areas like panama brazil whatever and buy the land and produce their own coffee why they depend on the farmers
1: so it's actually something that uh that rosa wants to do eventually
0: yeah, uh, And know, they, and they hire like, th- th- they create like more opportunity for locals to come and work and it's going to yeah. be probably more sustainable um, this way or don't. Starbucks
1: doesn't. does that already. Yeah. So it's not that it's not possible. Um, yeah. The biggest challenge is, you know, running it. It's really hard to kind of oversee what's happening and you really have to get down there and you have to be there for at least six months to a year to really yeah. see it grow and thrive. Uh, I think the reason why we haven't done that just yet is because our focus is here, our yeah. focus is to grow. And a lot of roasters, they want to grow here first and, you know, build their name and and yeah. and create that experience and really solidify their, their processes here. Farming is a whole nother challenge. And farming in a developing nation that's on the other side of the world is another challenge. Yeah. And so you have to dedicate a lot of time and you know, um Starbucks does a really good job of of having their own farms. Yeah. But they work with a lot of other farmers and they've bought cooperatives in order to have those farms as well. And if you look at how old Starbucks is. Yeah. There's a reason why they're able to do that. And yeah,
0: but like if if I want to go right now to Rosso coffee shop or to fringe and drink a coffee, I will enjoy the coffee. Would you enjoy the coffee in Starbucks? No doesn't matter how 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 much of land and farming they own but in the end of the day it's gonna come like what's the coffee taste and how if i'm gonna enjoy the coffee or not gonna enjoy the coffee. precisely right?
1: yeah and i think for us it's it's um it's no different than you know when bars uh you know buy their anejo from a mexican farm yeah um or a mexican distiller yeah it's no different uh we'll let the pros do what they're good at yeah and we'll focus on what we're good at yeah that's a that's a good <laughs> advice actually right Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, being a jack of all trades is really good advice, but at the same time, you want to make sure if you're a jack of all trades is that you've done a really good job of understanding each one of those trades in order to to succeed. Yeah. Um, being a master of one has a lot of promise, especially in certain areas. Yeah. Um, but that being said, when it comes to farming, you know we'll leave the farming to the pros because yeah. just like being a cattle rancher here or having a canola farm here, you know, there's a reason why they're in the in the families and they stick within the families. Yeah. You don't see a lot of people who want to say, Hey, I want to be a farmer today. Yeah. Right? It's, it's hard work. It's very
0: hard work. Very hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh where do you see Rosso going in the future? As you are you are the wholesale manager there. Yeah. And this this year you came to me and you told me like there's a new plan for the partners between Rosso and partners about like um help partners help also to grow more by like more partners and all this stuff
1: yeah yeah so the big goal for us and i think for me as a whole i've been the wholesale manager um for the last four years and you know in the last four years we've had a lot of challenges because of the pandemic yeah and because of that you know we've had to kind of manage what we do on spending and it's part of our sustainable practices and you know i remember at the beginning of the pandemic uh we had to lay off a lot of people yeah and that was a big challenge and so we didn't want to overspend and we had moved into this brand new warehouse yeah ten thousand square feet and um i remember when we started moving in and within a week we found out that the world was shutting down oh wow and it was the craziest thing because i remember we're filling up the van, starting to haul everything over. And this kind of goes into our sustainable conversation yeah. as well. Um, the whole premise of that new location was to create a showroom, a cafe showroom. Yeah. We wanted to invest X amount of dollars into the front end of it so that we can really create a cool experience and bring people in and have a community space there. But then when the pandemic hit, we really had to kind of shift gears and, and reassess what we wanted to do. So we actually, rather than having to, you know, completely eliminate all of our staff. Yeah. You know, we were able to keep a lot of staff on hand because we didn't invest, you know, the X amount of dollars into building this new showroom. Nice. And that was a big part of our purpose at the time was how do we support our community? Um, but in the last few years we've grown to a point now where, you know, we can really reassess what we want to do and how we want to support our business and, and, our, and our partners because yeah. our partners are uh, an extension of us yeah. and they're an extension of, of me and what I've, gone to love and appreciate and, and build that passion through all these, these cafe owners and baristas and managers. Yeah. So this year, you know, we have a big push, I would say to, to really solidify more awareness of the brand and just getting more information out there and just really getting that education piece for the, the average consumer. Yeah. Because I know when you and I first met, you didn't have a whole lot of knowledge on what direct trade was or any coffee. Yeah but you had a lot of coffee roasters who were coming at you wanting yeah. to support you and take your business and all that stuff. And you know, I'm glad that you've you wanted to stick with me. Yeah. Um and not to say that some of the other roasters weren't good opportunities for you as well.
0: Yeah. But it just goes to show where your values are. Well, actually I stuck with you Dan because like for one reason and one reason only. <laughs> because you guys first are very ethical company and I I build fringe coffee just on ethics. I don't, sustainability, yep. uh, no plastic use, yep. no waste. Like literally I will cut down on my, on my baking goods every day just not to waste one piece, yep. right? And the amount of information you gave me and how and when Rosso and you like stood by me when I needed somebody, right? And you, you know the story what what happened between me and one of my employees, yeah. and that that period of time it was like a very depressing period of time. And you were you're you were there, yeah. right? And and this is beside the coffee. I'm talking right now as a human person. This um, this stand that you did for me and, and Melissa when we needed somebody I don't think like I will ever go with any coffee roaster whatsoever if if I want to have like 10 locations the 10 locations are gonna be Rosa I'm gonna be proud of it <laughs> awesome. and thank you bro of course absolutely. I really appreciate everything you did for for me and Melissa and for Fringe coffee
1: yeah it's you know a big part of our our company and and what our vision is is you know we want to ensure that specialty coffee is for all, yeah. but our company values really come down to what we do for our community. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I live that breathe it because without my community, then who am I yeah. right? My purpose in life is to support people and help people. Yeah. And, you know, whether or not, you know, it's, it's, you know, a friend or, uh, one of my clients or whoever. Yeah at the end of the day, I'm here to support and I'm here to help. And with whoever it might be, even if you're not a client, you have some questions, reach out. I know I do that with a few other cafes right now who reach out to me and say, Hey, Dan, I have a question. You know, this is what we're trying to do. What are your thoughts? And, you know, if it helps them, great. And if not, then that's okay. But a big part of it was understanding what your needs were at the time and helping you get established and helping you understand that, Hey, the big part of being with a roaster is getting that support that you need, you know, you're an extension of me. So I want to make sure that you thrive. That's a big part of what my goal is. Um, because without you, we don't have a roastery. Yeah. So even in that sense, like it's beneficial for both parties and it's really got to be a synergistic, you know, experience between the two. And, um, that synergy was there. And you know, I'm glad now you're almost a year old.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I cannot believe it. Like it just went like
1: that. Yeah. it's 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 yeah (laughs) thinking back uh, i think it was what december of 2021 yeah where you and i first started chatting and yeah and then that's when we first got introduced and and had the tasting and all that fun
0: stuff yeah well the first time like the first um i signed up with the company here i don't want to name it and they weren't straightforward with me when i knew that I went into like oh my god what i'm gonna do right now yeah. i don't have a roaster how i'm gonna open the coffee shop yeah and we met in the coffee shop in edmonton in administration yeah yeah
1: the tuxedo rosso tuxedo rosso yeah. right
0: yeah we met me and you and yeah. the other girl yeah, yeah. and it was uh, because like the only thing that i wanted is to put my logo on the coffee even if it's roasted by you yeah and this is like the first when i asked you and you uh, you told me like we support that yeah we want you to do that yeah not a lot of roaster other roaster they didn't say that they want to say like they want to do it like on their way but you like sounded like okay do it your way yeah it's my coffee
1: yeah the the big thing is is You know, at the end of the day, it's still your brand and we don't want to take away from that at all. Yeah. You know, it's your business. It's your baby. It's your brand. Yeah. We just want to help nurture you and get you to that point where, you know, you're no longer a baby anymore.
0: I think I'm going to ask you like two more questions. Okay. What are some of the unique challenges that small scale coffee farmers face and how can technology and innovation be used to improve the efficiency and sustainability? In terms of the challenges, the big one
1: is climate change, of course, yeah. right? And and trying to find the right buyers, and you know, ensuring that their processes are done properly. Yeah. That being said, um, there's a lot of great farms out there, mm. right? It's just going down, visiting with them, understanding what they do, and then finding the right connections to get you there. Uh, you know, Forward Coffee does a really good job of working with some really unique farms. Um, so it's a baby project from Coal to Road. So nice. he's our coffee buyer, or at least used to be the coffee buyer from Rosso. Yeah. Um, he's still a partner in the company to some degree, but a big part of what he wanted to do within the last couple of years is building more relationships with farms and so he decided to start forward coffee that's his baby now and he wants to work directly with farms and farms as much as possible um as much as he loves being a part of rosso and doing the barista competitions and all that you know i think rosso now he's kind of evolved into this new role of being a a true coffee importer and a true coffee buyer Mm -hmm. in order to help promote more of those sustainable uh, practices and those sustainable relationships Mm -hmm. um but when we talk about innovation there's a lot of cool things that are out there now yeah. So for us, something that's unique to us is we sort all of our coffee with automation. So a lot of the times if you have like a small uh, scale roaster, like a five kilo or like a 10 kilo roaster, you can usually hand pick some of the Quakers and some yeah. of the, diff- the imperfect beans, if you will. Right. So something that Rosso does that is very unique to us. And I know that we're one of, I think, 30 roasters in North America that do it now. Um <clears throat> What we have is a machine called a Pearl Mini. It's from a company um, based out of Portland called Savda. And um, it's a really cool machine. What it does is use cameras and light to, to look at the beans and look for any imperfections or any density issues and stuff like that. And yeah. so with that, it's able to use high pressure air um, to shoot out anything or push out anything that's awesome. uh, that's could be potentially defective. So that's something that's really, really cool and unique that now we can do because it helps with consistency across the board so that whenever you're using a product or any of our other partners are using the product, it's the same every single day. Yeah. Right. One of the biggest things that people love about going to a coffee shop every day is consistency. Yes. Right. Regardless of who's working that day, they want to make sure the coffee tastes the same. Yeah. Right. So not only does the training come into that, of course, with making sure you're doing your latte or your milk steaming done properly, but the coffee is the other portion of it all. It's true. So with that, one thing that's really unique to us is that we're the only roaster in the world that actually sorts our green beans the same way. No, oh, nice. Now, the benefit of sorting the green beans is you're going to want have more farmers that want to work with us because now yeah. we can push all the beans through our system and say, hey, guess what? We have only X amount of imperfect beans. So for next year's crop, we'll take like a 1% discount of whatever the loss was. Because okay. what can end up happening is that if a far, uh, if a roaster goes out to the to the farm, and he's purchasing you know beans, but he's got a table of maybe ten cups that he's got to taste from, yeah, he's gonna that those ten cups are gonna dictate whether or not he buys that crop. Okay. If five of those are off, I'm gonna assume fifty percent of the crop is bad. But oh. we're only talking about a hundred gram sample here. Okay. So with that, that farm or that roaster can say, I don't want that so that farmer now has to figure out who he's going to sell it to but also like just buy everything we'll just buy it why because we work with that farm every single year yeah we don't know we don't have to worry about their processes because every single year it's always been good yes. right we know that they're doing what we need them to do yeah because we still visit them every single year right so nothing
0: changes with that relationship right but like uh, sorry for interrupting but like yep. the crop and the 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 bad beans or like the imperfect beans the, the defective ones yeah defective ones Um, it's not like the farmer's fault probably is that no, no, it's, it's it's normal. Yeah. Yeah. So imperfect
1: beans aren't aren't necessarily a a dictator that the crop was fully bad. No, no, no. Um, there's a lot of things that can happen. So when the, the, the beans, you know, go through uh, the pulping process or, um, potentially through the growing process, right. It's just like grapes. Yeah. Uh, If you see, you know, grapes on a stem, there's going to be one or two of those grapes that are going to look pretty wilted or bad. It's normal. Same thing with coffee cherries. The difference is, is that with that, you don't necessarily want that going into your coffee because Mm. it might not, it might throw off the flavor a little bit, even though you've roasted it. Right. And it's supposed to come out with certain flavors. There's also challenges with growing just like any grape um, or any fruit is that some of them might not have the same flavor. Right. And so that's going to create inconsistencies. Yeah. And so the benefit of doing the green is that we're going to get most of the 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 imperfect beans that are in there. So anything that might have not matured properly, anything that might have, you know, over matured or possibly, you know, maybe burnt from the sun as it's drying. Yeah. Right. That could affect the flavor. And so what we do is we just say, you know what? cool we're going to buy the whole crop we're going to put it through our system and we're going to sort out all of our green beans and next year we just want a discount of whatever is lost in in, in that product yeah. and then for us to promote more sustainability that's used as compost fertilizer um, whatever it could be uh, and and just to reuse the product and there's no wastage yeah. but the other benefit of it is before it even goes into the roaster yeah. all those imperfect beans have been sorted out and so it doesn't go into the roaster.
0: Yeah, well, my employee, Sam, he found like two bad beans in since we opened the day, a year, in one year, two bad beans. So beans, 99.9%. <laughs> the green beans that the machine that pick, yep. the bad ones, why don't roast them and just like use them for training purposes? So we do, we do. Oh, yeah. Yes. So we
1: do have a lot of uh, beans that we do use for training specifically um, because we do have a lot of internal training that we have from our cafes. Yeah. Um, I think right now we're sitting up just about 70, 70 employees across our company now, which nice. is really awesome. Um, and so with that, we have a lot of training that happens because yeah. we want to make sure everyone's comfortable in our cafes on how to make coffee and how to do it on a regular basis. Yeah. But the other thing is, is that our, our uh, head barista trainer, their name is Eric and they, they do cuppings on a regular basis in order to promote you know, the the flavor and the education of coffee and how to taste. And so with that, we use a lot of those defective or imperfect beans, part of that tasting process or the cupping so process. To see the difference. Exactly, yeah. Because you can visually see the difference, but yeah. a lot of people don't know what that would taste like, right? And so... I think I've done it with you once where I actually yeah. showed you and we went through the process of it yeah. all. And I know that we had a bit of a of an education at, at the cafe as well to yeah. showcase the differences. Um, but that being said, yeah, like it's it's just something that uh, for us we wanted to do as an education piece for everybody so that they know what to expect from from their coffee and, and yeah. why we want to do it. Because it's not only just... Um, it's not only for our benefit of the brand to showcase that we want to promote more quality. Yeah. But it also helps showcase the quality of the farms that we're working with. To say every year I know I'm going to get Hunapu and it's going to taste the same. Yeah. I'm going to order, you know, this year's coffee from Santa Lucia and it's going to taste the same or I might get Imperial Rojo from Costa Rica and I know it's going to taste the same year after year. Nice. Right? And people love that familiarity. Yeah. Right. It helps a lot with that consistency and that return basis, that loyalty to say, you know what, I love that farm. Maybe if I go to Costa Rica this year, I'm yeah. gonna see if I can find that farm. Nice. Right. Or maybe I'm gonna go see Santa Lucia in Brazil, or maybe I'll go to La Palma in, in Colombia and say, Hey, guess what? I want I tried your beans from Rosso Coffee and and uh I wanted to come down to the farm and check it out and learn more and see where it's that's all coming amazing. from. Yeah. And so that's really what it comes down to is really showcasing not only what we do in terms of the innovative processes and the, the, the quality checks, if you will, but yeah. showcasing really what's happening down at the farm because those farms don't get enough recognition. Yeah. Right? We always think about the roaster. Yeah. But for us, roaster, farm first. Nice.
0: Yeah. What is your advice to people? Um, what's the best approach to tell them like, hey, coffee is good. I think the big thing that I
1: like to tell most people is don't be afraid to try something new. Um, Experiment. Uh, You'll never know what you'll like until you actually try something. And we live in a world where there's a lot of opinions, but there's not a lot of action on those opinions. (laughs) And so because of that, I think it's really important that if we're going to have an opinion on something, we should try it first, period. And... I know I've switched and converted a lot of, you know, Starbucks drinkers and Tim Hortons drinkers into becoming third wave roaster drinkers. Yeah, and it's true. not to say that it's our brand that they drink on a regular basis. No, no, no. I'm talking about people in different cities that have other local roasters that do very similar things to what we do. Yeah. And, you know, they roast to a certain degree that really brings out those qualities of the coffee. And so the big thing that I can say is we live in this world now where we need to really focus on what supporting local means yeah and if that resonates with you then go and support from go and support your local cafe go and support your local roaster because chances are there's multiple different cafes that are supported by that local roaster yeah right because that cafe probably doesn't roast and so one way that we can promote more of those relationships and just getting out there and trying something new is really just getting out there and trying
0: something new nice yeah and for the 2023 what's rosso approach to to their partners
1: it's really about support this year it's helping you you and your business thrive um you know we've done it every single year but Mm -hmm. i think our approach to this year is really just getting out there more support in terms of training just more support of doing like some really fun you know awareness activities that we can do education um helping your staff become more passionate about you know coffee in yeah. general doesn't have to be about rosa yeah. but just about coffee in general You know, I've known so many baristas over the few last few years who have called me because, hey, you know what? I'm moving from so and so, and I want to see if there's a cafe that you can recommend me to. You know, I've recommended baristas to cafes in Toronto, in Ottawa, to Winnipeg, Saskatoon, and Vancouver, Um, and they've all gotten jobs there. I actually had one gentleman who used to work at a cafe that I supported in uh, in and he. he uh, used me as a reference so he can get a job in Edmonton at oh, nice. a local cafe bakery. Nice. He got the job. He's Perfect. now their cafe manager. And <laughs> really I mean. the big thing is, is just, you know, us, I just want to support people and we just want to support people achieve yeah. their dreams or their goals. And, you know, coffee now is really about our community more so than ever. Yeah. And so those are that's really the big thing for 2023 is how do we support your business and how do we get you to that next stage of growth and and just getting the community out there supporting you?
0: Yeah. What would you advise for people who's looking to open a coffee shop in the city? Do your research.
1: <laughs> so yeah. when I say do your research, um, get down to the nitty gritty, ask the hard questions you'll know whether or not that's, you w- know.
0: Worth it or not.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people just assume, you know, I'm going to open up a cafe and then boom, it's going to be busy. Yeah, right? And and it's not always the case. Uh, location, 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 you know, yes. that old adage. Um, but it's not only that, It's it's, you know, utilizing, you know, the free marketing sources that are out there. So understanding social media is a big part of it knowing how to connect to your, your local market or your local community yeah. um, and getting involved. Uh, yeah. Those are three things that I would say look into before you decide, hey, maybe I should open up a cafe. It's understanding how social media works, understanding how to how to run that business and understanding which roaster you're going to use. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't have to be Rosso. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, Canterbury, Nestle, whoever, you know, you see out there all the time. Um, yeah. But just like any other business, if you don't know how to run it, it's not gonna succeed. Yeah. So you have to do the homework. You have to get out there and just look to see what's happening out in the market, yeah. and literally checking out every cafe. Yeah. If it costs you three, four hundred dollars that year to buy a coffee from three hundred different, you know, uh, cafes, yeah. then at least you have three hundred dollars of research that has said, "Hey, I've tried coffee at three hundred different shops." Nice
0: i want to i want to do like coffee hunting coffee shops hunting and go like around the city probably edmonton and whatever i can go yeah and see um do you think you will open a coffee shop some sometime in the future probably yeah
1: i think so um you know my fiance and i we've talked about things that we wanted to do as we get older and um you know we've been here in calgary now for nine years And we love it and this is kind of where we set up roots and um you know we've been living here on the belt line and we we've really just enjoyed the the embrace of the city and the culture of the city as it's grown and um you know I, I I grew up in a big city uh and and at the same time you know going from you know Edmonton to Pasadena to to Edmonton again and then to Calgary I can really say like Calgary's a good happy medium for everything and you know, my fiance and I, we've talked about what we want to do when we get older, and having a cafe or some kind of community space has always been in the conversation of a potential business idea. And I love coffee now. It's really weird. Like, I i, yeah, I don't is. know yeah. how I got to this point, because for the first, I don't know, 27 years of my life, I hated coffee. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here you go, man. And, uh... It wasn't until, you know, 28 that uh, that I got a really good experience of what uh, coffee can be in that introduction. And, you know, I'm so grateful that, um, you know, I work with the company that I do because with Rosso, you know, I found a lot of good mentorship in Dave, our founder, who's yeah. really, you know, pushed me to get a better understanding. And he's pushed me to, to break down my own barriers and nice. my preconceived notions of what coffee is. And, you know, not only that, you know, Cole... Um, he's really educated me to the next level of how I can be better with not only how to convey the message of coffee, but really taste coffee and appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. But we're really spoiled there. I uh, I would love to say that I'm probably one of the most spoiled people in the coffee
0: industry. You are spoiled, <laughs> but not just the <laughs> coffee shop, the roaster. Everywhere you go, you're spoiled, buddy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. This but is but love. This is love. Yeah. So love exactly. Right. Yeah. And and I'm really spoiled by our community because I think. <laughs> I feel, uh, you know, everybody has something to share in our company and with my community partners as well and all of our clients, you know, you, especially you show me something new every day. I didn't know what Turkish coffee was until I was introduced to you. Nice. <laughs> and, you know, you I knew what it was, but I never tasted it because yeah. I've never had the opportunity to try it. Yeah. Um, you know, and how to pair certain coffees with, you know, Lebanese treats, yeah. um, you know, and just meeting random people from the community. And, and I'm really spoiled because even though, you know, I w- am, we have such a small, tight-knit group in our niche com- uh, market or yeah. community, our community is so big and it's just so diverse, um, yeah. you know. And it's really cool to see how it's expanded over the last little bit. And um, coffee has just opened up so many doors and and so mm-hmm. many levels of understanding. That I, I can't wait to see what uh, the next few years brings and and where we go from here.
0: I hope so, man. Yeah. Um, what are your plans? My plans? Yeah. I want to open more coffee shops, but I think. I need to find the right community to do it. Like again, I'm with you from the beginning, like to open in the suburbs, stay yep. away from the city. Yeah. And open something like It's going to be like for example, Montgomery, the minute we open the coffee shop in Montgomery and this new business is coming to Montgomery, Montgomery is just getting better. Yeah. And working so hard to put itself in the map, right? Yeah. So the coffee shop and the other businesses, they're gonna be like some sort of trademark in that area. Yeah. And it's gonna be known, oh, there's French coffee in that area, right? Yeah. It's a trademark. Yeah. The same thing I wanna do in the other community, a community that's gonna grow, and I wanna come and put that coffee shop for a trademark. Because you know, like my coffee shop is, is for the community yeah and i welcome anybody yeah no matter what yeah, from artist, wh- whoever it is and soccer fans soccer fans and <laughs> I, I put artists for free on my walls yeah um events like there's like um a lady from the community she does like meeting with with women like they need help cool right yeah so i offered the coffee shop for free so i give Because, like, I want this community. I felt at home in this community. And this is where I want to go for another community to open a coffee shop because I want to feel home, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this is... uh, I hope so. I have, like, two or three business ideas, but, like, I want to stick to coffee for now because, like, I start getting better knowing coffee and all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Become a pro. Uh, I I don't (laughs) think so, but I hope (laughs) one day. Will you plan on competing? uh,
1: What, latte? Latte art? Oh, no. No? Okay. No. We have our internal competition if ever you want to join. It's um, open to our all of our clients.
0: I'm still I'm still struggling a little bit. <laughs> but sometimes it's feather, sometimes it's heart, sometimes it's flower. Nobody knows. Yeah. Right? Uh I'm not on that level, but I would love to. Yeah. Um what was it like losing Jenna? Oh, it was it's devastating. <laughs> That girl. <coughs> By I'm the glad way, that you. she
1: was able to uh, to to come work for you, to kind of yeah, help you get started.
0: And you are the one who told me about her. Yeah. yeah. And um, Jana is really nice. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. She's been in the industry for a while, right? Yeah. yeah. She knows the in and out of the the coffee yeah. and coffee shops. Um, she elevates French coffee from where it is to the next level yeah and um, I'm very happy for her that she finds like her opportunity to buy like a coffee shop in Kelowna yeah and call this black rabbit yeah coffee uh, coffee house yeah Um, I'm very happy for her but sometimes like I need things to be done or I need to do something or I need to ask questions and I turned I don't find Jenna next to me in the coffee shop Freak, freak out a little bit oh yeah i'll just text you <laughs> her swearing at, swearing at her, call her like name yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i'm joking like, it's a fun yeah, way. Yeah. yeah um but in the end of the day like she deserve, she she needs to move on yeah i understand that yeah but she i i learned from her a lot yeah and she's still there for me man yeah if i text her about anything yeah she will tell me what to do yeah and she's still on our group chat somehow just taking a peek here and there. If somebody texts message, she'll text me on private, don't do that. Yeah, good. <laughs> or good. do this. Yeah. 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 It. yeah. It's
1: good to experiment and try things,
0: but don't change the wheel. Yeah, but like <laughs> um, even with her, like when it comes to business, I always push her, like, yeah. do this in the business, don't do that. Yeah. Do these steps. So don't make the mistakes that I did. Yeah. Um, and this is this is how how people grow with yeah. the con- with the connection that they made. with the friendship right one day that she's gonna if she needs anything about business she's gonna like text me or ask me about it and if I need anything about coffee I'm gonna text her and ask her exactly Um, yeah Um, I don't think I'm gonna hire anybody because for now as a manager um, at least for a year or so yeah so I can learn more yeah Uh, and then I might like Hire a manager and just, just step away from the coffee shop because, like, I'm putting like 12, 14 hours a day sometimes. Like, in a coffee I think shop. you just like to hang out there though. Actually, <laughs> I do. <laughs> like, it's it's my baby. Like, it's, exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All you want to do is just like make sure everything is okay. Yeah. My employees are happy. Yeah. Uh, that what the customers are okay. Yeah. This is like, like, I trust my employees so much that yeah. they can open and close mm-hmm. and do everything in a day. But um I just want to be there like if some if one of my li- um, um, one of my employees hurt himself or herself yeah. um I'm there to help. Yeah. Or if a customer has a complaint, I'm there to answer, yeah. right? Yeah. Um and and just help with the finance financial stuff and yeah. help Sam Sam is learning He's still. We give him like a little bit of management tasks. Yeah, um, it's the only way that he's gonna break uh, break out his wings. Yeah, i um, He's 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 learning somehow in a different part of yeah. the of the running the business. He learned the hard time, the hard the hard way. Sorry. Yeah, and the other way, like it's it's learning slowly. Yeah. Um. He still need like a little bit of push on how to write the proper emails and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. The communication is still. Not there but i'm helping i'm yeah. being there to just to push him tell him like do this and how to write a proper email yeah be straightforward yeah don't explain too much yeah if the buns are not good tell him like cinnamon buns are not good would you please just make sure next time the cinnamon buns are good period end of conversation yeah don't explain what happened <laughs> right because you build the trust between you and other partners as well as bakery yeah you're not every day complaining about the cinnamon buns, Yeah. Just once in a while. They yeah. will understand. They will be like, Oh, don't worry, tomorrow I'll send you new ones. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um so he's still there. Yeah. And um he was like very picky about things. He <laughs> wanna write everything, uh, on papers, everything uh need to be written down, check mark, check mark, check mark on duties. So, yeah. I told him like no, business doesn't work all the time like that, yeah, calm down, yeah, put like the main things on it on yeah. the on a paper. people will read it, know what they need to do. The rest just like be there for your- amp- for the employees, yeah communicate with them, yeah uh, talk to them, yeah, ask them their opinion. It's not your decision, it's not my de- even if I wanna like go with a new bakery right now, yeah." not my decision I'm the owner and I don't make the decision mm-hmm. not because like I'm an owner oh I wanted this no I want to ask the team need to be involved in it yeah collective uh, yeah so I think um we have like a lot of support from our community people loving us we're getting back our reviews 4.8 nice I'm very happy with that yeah after this incident that happened yeah um, people trust trusting us they are coming we have like on daily basis repeated customers yeah. and every day we have like probably five to ten people are new never been in the coffee shop' cool. they're coming to the coffee shop yeah and this year we're gonna have like a different perspective approach f- as well we're gonna like sublease the shop for a bakery yeah we're gonna uh, introduce soups nice. some breakfast and brunch. We're gonna do like better job in our uh, music nights. Yep. So all this is gonna come. Cool. Yeah, and nice. we're competing in the hot chocolate. I'm, we, I'm gonna win. <laughs> I, I hope so. I don't know. It was good. I when I tried it, it was good. I hope yeah, so. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of there, man. Yeah. No. But I'm excited.
1: It's yeah. actually really interesting how many cafes are gonna be participating this year. It's um, yeah, I, I was surprised because last year there was, I think, a total of. 30 or 40 cafes that participated and this year it's like over a hundred cafes or places
0: that want to compete so one in a hundred chance then yeah for the most part good chances (laughs) good chances yeah not the lottery but it's good chances yeah Yeah. we will see just like it's our first time yeah and we still like less than a year so yeah i think we i hope we get like our name out there yeah
1: i think for the most part it's just it's it's a good opportunity to do something fun with the community right um you know hot chocolate fest is a staple here in uh in calgary which is really cool and um you know just be fun to see what everyone kind of puts out there i try to go as much as i can to every cafe and try their stuff out but this year i'm on a health kick so i gotta cut back on all the sugar so we'll have to see i might just take a sip of everyone's
0: um dan thank you so much thank you i really appreciate this conversation absolutely you have a little bit of knowledge coffee. And maybe next time we can like go deeper, sure, and if you wanna invite cold, you can come and just explain exactly, yeah, coffee and yeah. all this with you. that'll be really nice, yeah, thank yeah. you so much, sir. Thank you, Ellie. <laughs> appreciate it.